Amen, amen. Well, good evening and Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to C.L. Benny's Christmas Adam Gathering. My name is Justin. I have the privilege of serving as a pastor here at C.L. Benny. We're so glad to have you if you're new. Tonight we'll be wrapping up our Advent series. We've looked at peace, hope, and tonight we'll be looking at joy. And before we dive in, I just want to get us all on the same page when it comes to what joy truly is. It's the time of year where we sing songs like joy to the world. We see all different decorations of Christmas saying joy all over the place. And we have series like we do here at C.O. Benny with peace, hope, and joy. Why, though? To slow us down, like Lexi said, why is joy a theme of Christmas? If we would even zoom out even farther from that, why is joy a theme of Christianity? If we would look at our Bibles, we would see that the theme of joy is actually so consistently, so obviously, so undeniably threaded throughout Scripture. We see that joy is called a miraculous fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, that the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy. We see that joy is uh, actually a command. If we look at Philippians 4.4, the Apostle Paul commands us, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say Rejoice. Not only that, but we see that joy is actually God's very will for our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, the Apostle Paul once again says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for your lives. Friends, joy, by God's definition, is a miracle. Joy is a command, and joy is his very will for each one of our lives here tonight. Tonight, I want to show us that joy is all of, all of these things, but joy is actually more than that. That joy is actually a person. A person that if you don't know personally, you will never know personally God's best for your life, which is to know joy. And if we can be honest, if you're anything like me, it's so easy to misuse and abuse words like joy and just so casually interchange them with words like happiness or cheer. And obviously there is some overlap, but what happens is when we can so easily interchange that, so casually and unthinkingly, that what happens is we actually end up robbing the essence, the value and the importance of true joy. We see that the way God defines joy is so much more than the way that we've settled for joy to be in our lives. We have allowed culture to dictate and tell us what God defines himself. And friends, this matters tonight because what if I told you that tonight, what if I told you that this Christmas season, that tonight would be the turning point, that you would stop settling for emotions anything less than God's best of joy, and that you would stop just settling for worldly happiness or cheer. What if I told you that you don't have to wait a full calendar year before you enter back into a happy holiday season where we have Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas streaming through 37 times in an eight-hour workday, or maybe it's the 12 Hallmark Christmas movies that we wait all year round for, which, if we're honest, are really all the same movie, just with different actors. But either way, uh, we settle for what we call a joyful time of year, but isn't it true that if we would look inward, we'd actually realize we always, time and again, leave dissatisfied and disappointed? 
But friends, what have I told you that there is something, rather someone could actually offer to satisfy the longings of our minds and our souls, to finally give us the joy that we've been searching for for so long and yet have been evaded. Something the Bible calls joy. Let me be emphatically clear. Joy is not a decision any more than falling in love is. Joy is not merely for the emotionally strong. Joy is not some mask we just put on to hide the emotions we're truly feeling. No, joy, friends, if we treat joy like that, we will end up losing the significance and the power of joy. Very simply put, if we want to get on a baseline definition of what biblical joy is, joy is a feeling in the soul brought about by the Holy Spirit when we truly know Jesus. Let me say that one more time. Joy is a feeling in the soul brought about by the Holy Spirit when we truly know Jesus. And that has been my prayer tonight that many of us, all of us would experience true joy tonight by knowing and seeing Jesus for who he truly is. That you would stop settling and that tonight would be the dividing line in your eternity of settling for worldly happiness and experiencing godly joy. Tonight I want to do this by looking at one text and answering two questions. First question, where does joy come from? And the second, how do I have it? So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to open up to Isaiah 52. We'll start in verse 3. If not, you'll have it up on the screen. A little context to Isaiah 52. This is uh, a prophet of God, God's mouthpiece. And God is using Isaiah... Uh, And again, this text would have been written 700 years prior to the arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem. So 700 years before our Christmas story tonight, Isaiah is a mouthpiece of God speaking to God's people Israel, who have been rebelling consistently against God up to this point, and because of their rebellion, they are in direct oppression from major world powers. So if we look in Isaiah 52, that's the context. We'll start in verse 3. This is what the Lord says. For thus says the Lord, You were sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, my people went down at first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. Now therefore, what have I here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing. Their rulers wail, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. So again, we get this prophetic word mouthpiece of God that Israel, God's people, are rebelling. And bad things happen when you rebel against your maker and that they are experiencing the full effect of this. And at this point, God's people would have been actually very accustomed to rebellion against God and therefore very accustomed to oppression from the worldly powers that ruled them. God's name was being blasphemed all the day long. The rulers would mock the the believers and would mock their God right before them all day long. And in fact, in the 700 period gap before the saving Messiah, the one who would rule justly came, 400 of these years would continue to be this oppression. 400 years of darkness and being ruled unjustly and wickedly by these evil world powers and no hope, no mention of any prophetic word from God himself through a prophet that the Messiah would come quickly. But instead, for hundreds of years, these evil tyrants 
whether it be the Egyptians who enslaved the Israelites or the Assyrians, the Persians, and the Greeks who oppressed the Israelites. And in our current Christmas story, it would be the Romans, the very Romans who would end up nailing Jesus to a Roman cross for who he was and what he was preaching. But friends, if we would look at the oppression of these Israelites, of God's people, if we zoomed out and actually did a little bit more of a heart check, would we not find that their story is our story? And maybe you're not being oppressed by ancient world powers. Maybe it's not Egypt that's enslaving you right now, but maybe what's enslaving you is fear. Fear of what's going on in culture today, fear of corona, fear of Omicron, whatever is going on out there right now, fear of government, fear of mandates. Maybe it's being enslaved to shame and past things that your eyes have seen and your hands have touched. Maybe it's the fear of guilt or the sin of lust or greed, selfishness, or maybe lying. Or maybe just being so bound to culture that is ruling you and informing you and telling you how you ought to speak, dress, and live your life. But friends, if we would look, have we not realized that each and every one of us in this room is guilty of giving our souls without price to those rulers? And we have forsaken the one true ruler who would rule us justly, fairly, honestly, and rightly. We have all willfully rebelled against God. We have all willfully chosen to be in the shackles of sin rather than the freedom of Jesus. We have all sided with those other rulers and have gone against God by declaring war against him. For example, every time I have put my trust in money, essentially what I'm doing in those moments, which can happen frequently, unfortunately, I have to confess, is I look at Jesus. I square up to him and I say, money is a better ruler than you. Or, or maybe it's lust for you or lust for me. Anytime I've ever lusted in my heart, I've looked at the Father square in the face and said, I'm a better ruler than you. I know better and I think my plans, my design, are better than your covenant marriage between one man and one woman. Friends, any time we decide to think that we know better than God, to say, I am going to search for my own joy, get what's mine, in whatever or whoever I please. Friends, we are simply going under the oppression of a ruler that is not Jesus. And in doing so, we are willfully forfeiting joy. The question is now, who will break our sin-shackled hearts? Who will take off the chains of our minds? Who will give us eyes to see? Who will rule over us with goodness and love? Who will give us and restore back our joy? conditions of our hearts, if we look at them a little clo more closely, we see that we have a lot of bad news. But praise God, there is good news. Good news that overcomes the bad news if we would continue on in our story. Isaiah 52 verse 6 
It says, therefore, again, therefore, because my people are rebelling and being oppressed by other rulers than me, therefore, verse 6, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice together. They sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. First question we wanted to ask tonight, where does joy come from? Where does joy come from? Very simply. Joy comes in the presence of Jesus. Joy comes in the presence of Jesus. How beautiful were the feet of that precious baby born in Bethlehem that cold Christmas night. How beautiful were those feet that were coming to bring good news of great joy. The beautiful feet that would walk the earth for some 30 years in order to publish peace with God and give us peace from God. The very feet that would later be pierced on a Roman cross to pour out the precious blood that would atone and pay for the sins of our rebellion against God and our willful oppression and resistance to be under the rule of another king. The very feet, the beautiful feet that would walk out then three days later of a tomb to justify anyone who would turn from their sins and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. The beautiful feet that would walk rightly to the right hand of God and sit down on a throne where he is currently at tonight, looking above in sovereignty as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, defeating any other enemy or ruler that would try to steal our joy. Is it any wonder that in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angels came to the shepherds saying, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy. Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophetic word 700 years later to bring good news of great joy with beautiful feet for those who would have eyes to see and ears to hear. The question is, though, now is... Does this bring you joy? You see, Christmas has never been about humans trying to find joy or conjure up joy in their own strength or in their man-made religion. Christmas is about ending our search for joy because the joy has come searching for us. And I have to be honest and confess that I know these theological truths. But many times, so easily, I forget them. It's so easy to enjoy Jesus because he is supremely enjoyable. And yet how easy it is for sin to make me wander away to look for joy in other places. And if we're honest, could we all agree and confess that 
so often we look for joy and just consider it situational. That if I'm in the right season of life, with the right situation and the right conditions around me, that joy will maybe come. But in the seasons that are rough, don't expect it. That oftentimes we look at joy as some kind of transaction that if we say, God, you know, my joy would increase if my trials would decrease. My joy would increase if my finances became a little more stable. My joy would increase if that relationship was a little bit better. My joy would increase if I had just the right ambiance for the holiday party this year. It's so conditional and looking at God as if he's going to increase our joy if our situation would go the way we want it. And again, it's only showing that we want to be in control. We want to rule and be ruled by anyone and anything besides Jesus. Friends, we have to realize that Jesus promises that anyone who would follow him will have trials. They're guaranteed. Jesus says that we will have sorrow on this side of eternity. That is real life. All of us know what it means to feel sorrow. And yet, the Apostle Paul tells us in God's word that as Christians, as born-again, spirit-filled believers, we are considered sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. How is that possible? How has it been possible for the moments that I have been at my lowest going through spiritual depression, waking up even wondering why the gospel is still good, that if God is even real, that why in those moments has there been an underlying, consistent, an amazing, miraculous joy through it all. It's impossible without Jesus. It's because, friends, joy is not a decision to be made. Joy is not a switch to be flipped. Joy is a person to be known, loved, and received. Joy never leaves a true Christian because Jesus never leaves. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Joy has not changed. The source of joy will not change. It will be Jesus forever. To know Jesus is to know joy. To know joy is to know Jesus. They are indivisible. And friends, listen, if you are here tonight and you're hearing about experiencing this type of joy and you never have and you want to, friends, there is an ultimatum before you. You must, if you are to experience joy, you must bow your knee to Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. There is no other way. You have a decision to make. Do you want joy? You will bow your knee to Jesus. You will give him your will for your life and you will trust him to be the good ruler. And if you do, joy will usher in as the King of Kings is ushered onto the throne of your life. And if you do, Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged if joy doesn't come right away. I can testify, along with the scriptures of so many psalmists who could not feel joy in dark seasons of spiritual depression, that joy is not always quick. And joy is not always loud. If joy were a song, joy would most likely take the form, not of a fast tempo, toe-tapping tune, but rather a serene symphony swelling with sweet satisfaction in the waves of sorrow. That 
is joy. It comes especially in seasons of sorrow. It comes especially in seasons of suffering. Again, because joy is a person. And if we look at the story of Christmas, isn't it fitting that Jesus, born into a cold, dark night in history, in the same night, that is when joy was born into the cold, dark, sinful rebellion of our souls. Joy that cannot be overcome and joy that will not be stolen for those who belong to Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples in some of his last moments before the crucifixion. In John 16, verse 12 through 33, he says to his disciples, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Second question we wanted to ask tonight is how can you have joy? Very simply, ask and receive that your joy may be full in Jesus. Ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to break your heart to see that you have sinned against a good and holy God and you are deserving of judgment and wrath. Confess in your asking that you have given your heart to countless rulers without price time and again and ask that Jesus would forgive you, that he would cancel your moral debt. And trust that when you ask, he actually hears and would delight to save you, forgive you, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Friends, Jesus has come to destroy all other rulers and to take his rightful place on the throne of our lives. And it is why he came that Christmas night to be worshipped and enjoyed forever by his people. That we might humble ourselves and cry out, King Jesus, save me from a sinful, joyless existence. And save me too, a sinless, joyful eternity. That is why he came, friends. That Christmas night, friends, joy is not found in anything or anyone else besides the work, finished work and person of Jesus Christ. Joy will not be found in a bigger house with a perfect spouse and well-behaved children and better friends. Joy will not be found with a better paying job that is more fulfilling or having more escapes and summer vacations. Joy will not come with more excitement in our lives with adrenaline rushes. Joy will not come from anything bought online or bought with money. C.S. Lewis, a Christian author, once put it this way. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and, stagger, and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. 
like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Friends, our joy will only be as full and as lasting as its source. That means that if your source of joy, you're looking for it in money, friends, I can promise you, money will run out. If you're looking for your source of joy to be found in time and thinking if I have just enough time in my life to go experience things, maybe I can tap into the market of joy. Friends, I will tell you, time will run out. If you're looking for your source of joy to be in relationships, we all know that relationships fail. Friends, if you are looking for your source of joy to be in anything in this life outside of Jesus Christ, know that life will come to an end. There will be a day that all of us take our final breath on this side of eternity and we will answer to God and say, who was my ruler? Where did I look for my joy? Where did I waste my life? Or perhaps you'll be the one to see that Jesus is the only source because Jesus is eternal. And that you would turn from your sin, you would trust in him, you would drink from the fountain of living water, you would eat from the bread of life. You would sing with the psalmist in Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This means that being in the mere, simple, quiet presence of Jesus, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. This is what he offers to us in his coming. The presence that is Emmanuel, God with us, is the same God who is in heaven wanting the exact same thing. God with us if we would but receive him as Lord and Savior, if we would let him rule our lives instead of the other worthless rulers that we've given ourselves over to time and again without price. Friends, this Christmas, would your soul feel its worth again? Maybe for the first time. To see that your soul is so valuable and yet it has been given over time and again Would you give it back to the one who would rule with justice? Would you give it back to the one who would rule with righteousness? The one who would rule with purity and kindness, power, love, and gentleness? Would you give it back to Jesus, the rightful owner, its maker? Friends, this is a God whose will for our lives is to experience full and lasting joy in him forever. Why would you refuse such an offer? Why would you stiff arm such a joy? So friends, this Christmas, if you're not feeling joy tonight, can I remind you, born again believer, or even non-believer, that the source of joy has not changed. The source of joy is still Jesus, And will always be Jesus. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Joy has not gone anywhere. Joy is here tonight, ready and willing to be received. If you would but humble yourself and turn from sin. Confess, Jesus, I need you to run my life. 
would you have joy this Christmas, friends? Better put, would you have Jesus this Christmas? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your righteousness and your rule in our lives, for those who have bowed our knees to you. Jesus, you are a good and right ruler who rules with justice and kindness. You are so much better than the rulers we give ourselves to. You are of so much more value than the worthless things we have given our souls over to. And in doing so, we have declared cosmic war against you. And Lord, how foolish when we realize that you are the maker and creator of all things. So God, I'm asking that if anyone here tonight wants to experience true and lasting joy, to be forgiven, redeemed, and reconciled back to a faithful creator, that Jesus, they would look to the Christmas story tonight. They would see that they no longer need to search for joy. They no longer need to be oppressed by wicked rulers, but that they can come to a savior who has come searching for them, who has come to redeem and to rule. And that Jesus, I pray right now that Holy Spirit, you would give gifts of faith to anyone who is wrestling with these things. And they would come to saving faith in you, Jesus, to the praise of your glorious grace that gives us our eternal lasting joy. We pray these things to your glory in your name. Amen.